0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. First Samuel chapter 18, we're going to read out a few verses, beginning in verse 20, and the message that I want to share with you today is entitled, Two Conversations. Two conversations, and this came out of my devotions, and I pray that this morning, somebody in this room, in these rooms, is going to have their life turned around by God's Word. Do you believe that could happen? Yes. Father, we're praying that there would not just be information in the sermon, but impartation and revelation. We believe that Your simple Word, when it comes to our life, it can bring life and light and freedom It divides soul and spirit. It it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It brings freedom and liberty. You sent forth your word and you healed us. So send forth your word today and touch every person. We pray in Jesus' name. And no matter where you are, give me a hearty Amen. 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 Verse 20 In the meantime, Saul's daughter Michael had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David, he said, today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Verse 21, here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David, he said, hey, Today, you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Our Christian faith does so many amazing things to our interpersonal relationships, doesn't it? I love church because I have friends in our church that come from different ethnicities, backgrounds, ages and stages, we get all put together, and we come from diverse neighbors, neighborhoods, we come from different sporting preferences, different nations of the earth, different even first languages, we all get put together, and we are called the church. By the way, get used to that, because that's exactly what heaven is going to be like. And when we're in the church, there are so many good things about our Christian culture, so many amazing things, shared lunches, endless friends, no, no, no limits to the number of people that are gonna invite you to have a meal with them after church every single Sunday. Do you know what I'm talking about? You need a regular exercise plan if you're going to be a Christian. Somebody say amen. amen. But along the way in our Christian journey, we do also have a few weird things that come in. You know, when you combine people With the Word of God, you get a lot of wholeness and a lot of normality, and you get a little bit of crazy just laced in. Do you know what I'm talking about? And one of the most weird things that can happen to you as a Christian is that talk that tends to happen in a church foyer. I say that because it's the only place it's ever happened to me, maybe you've got more stories, but I reckon everybody hearing this, if you've been a Christian more than a year, has had this story. It's when somebody comes up to you, a- a- at some moment in your Christian experience, and they say, they start by saying, I need to apologize to you. Does anyone know where I'm going? How many people are already at the end of the story? Because the next few, you're like, oh, wow, okay, wow, you need to apologize to me. I'm, I, I Okay, all right, I'm I'm focused now, you know. What, what's the apology for it? And they'll say, "Yeah, well, you know, for the last six months, <laughs> right? You, no, there we got it, right? If you weren't there, you're there now. For the last six months, I've really hated your guts." Did they, <laughs> you're like, "What? What? 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 What's, what? What, uh, what did I do? You know?" And they're, and they're like. You know, yeah, for the last six months, I really didn't like you, uh, but now I realize that I was wrong. And whenever I have this conversation with people, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's happened many times, whenever I have this conversation, I'm always thinking, hang on a minute, we've been talking. This This is not the first time that you and I have had a conversation. I'm pretty sure last week, you know, you said, praise the Lord, brother, to me. As we were walking into, you know what I'm talking about? You prayed for me in life group three months ago. Do you know what I'm talking about? We were in that church leaders meeting. We're all said to say something encouraging to somebody else. And you, you know, you turned around and saw me. You did not look a little weird. But then, then you said, you are amazing. I love you. And you start to realize that for the last however long, this person's been having one conversation with you about you and another conversation with themselves about you. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And we begin to learn that in our lives, we're all having always two conversations. There's the conversation that you have with your mouth, and there's the conversation that you're having with your heart. And in our lives, what's going on in these two conversations is going to determine a lot about the life that we are living, you can meet people, and they're like with their mouth. They're like, "Yeah, life is great and it's awesome, and I love you, and how you doing? Like phenomenal, you know? And how's how's you know, Praise God, you know? And then you realize that inside of this person, there is there is hatred, there is bitterness, maybe there's depression, there's sorrow, there's a whole lot of stuff." lingering beneath the surface because our lives are the story of two conversations. And often in life, the package looks great, but the substance is just all messed up. In our passage this morning, we've got King Saul. And when you, when you see King Saul, I mean, he is tall, you know, he, he, is, he is handsome. He's like Richie McCaw. I mean, he is a good-looking individual. Everybody looks at him and thinks, wow, you are amazing. He's got smiles. He's got high fives. He's putting his arm around David in our passage of Scripture and going, hey, you like Michael? Because she likes you. That's his daughter's name, you know. And he's like, you want to You know, you like my daughter? This is, this is your moment, buddy. I'm in your corner. Yet the Bible says that even though he's saying one thing with his mouth, He's saying a whole different thing to himself, to himself. And I think that in our lives, we end up often with a massive dichotomy between our external conversations and our internal conversations. And I believe with all my heart that of much greater importance than what you might ever say with your mouth is what you're saying in your heart. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, if you want to turn over there or just read it from the screen, in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6, the Bible's talking about a meal, and it's saying, don't eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. He's saying, man, this cat is like, hey, here's roast lamb. Eat everything that you can elevate. But in his heart, he's saying, I should never have invited the youth group because they eat way too much i budgeted on this roast, giving me lunch Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the guy's got Christian smiles, but a heart of stinginess, and the Bible is legitimately saying to us, it's saying, man, it doesn't matter what the external conversation is saying. What really matters is what the internal conversation is saying. I believe that God is more interested in us dealing with the, conversations of our heart than He is interested in us dealing with the conversation of our lives. In fact, I believe that integrity is when you align your external and your internal conversations and you bring them together. Because the truth is that for most, if not all of us, we are the best liars ever. We can can talk a great talk with our mouths whilst we're talking a whole different talk in our hearts. And God doesn't want to leave you and I there. He is wanting us to deal with the conversation, not just that we're having with our mouth, but the conversation we're having with our heart. From the time that you learn to talk, you are being taught to talk. You work on your external conversation from the moment words begin to be formed in your mouth. The moment that you begin to phrase words into sentences, you're being taught, you know, first time manners, that's in our family, put a smile on it, put a smile on it. You can say it with a whine or you can say it with a smile. We're taught say please and thank you, say something encouraging but a far greater impact to my life and to your life is not just to change what we're saying with our mouths, not just to consider the words that are coming from our mouths, but but the words and the conversations that we're having in our hearts. We edit what we say with our mouths whilst we play unedited reels in the theater of our minds. And church, I believe that God is wanting you and I to look at not just one conversation, but two. Saul is in this passage of Scripture, and he's like, man, this is an awesome opportunity for me to destroy David. And then he's like, hey, David, hey, you can have my wife. my daughter, this is the best day of your life. He's got one conversation with his mouth and a radically different conversation with his heart. And the truth is that one wrong word to someone else can cause a little bit of damage to them. But a wrong word to yourself can cause massive damage to you. I believe that God wants us to stop and consider what we say to ourselves. Have you ever pondered that you may be lying to yourself? Ever stopped to think that you know different of much greater importance that any external thing might be coming at you in your life, the way you're talking about it to yourself, the way you're thinking about it to yourself is having a much greater impact on the way your life is going? Ever pondered that maybe we speak incorrectly to ourselves? You know, when you walk into a home, it doesn't take you long to pick up on the atmosphere of the home. I mean all you got to do is be in that home for a little while often words don't even need to be spoken and you start to realize ooh there is there is joy in this house or there is there is animosity in this house or there is peace in this place there's a I feel at home here or I feel like even though the temperature is warm I just stepped into a refrigerator a home has an atmosphere and that atmosphere is created by words but listen Uh, There's a home that you live in, that you live in with others, but there's a home that you live in, that you live in with yourself. There is a monologue that we are playing inside this, this real estate here that is determining the atmosphere, not of the people that are around us, but the atmosphere of my life, of my mind, my head and my heart has an atmosphere, and one thing about life is certain, and that is the atmosphere or, or the content of what's going on in your mind, what you're saying to yourself, will absolutely manifest in your life. Uh, I was thinking about this and, and thinking about apples. you got to love a good apple, don't you? And not just New York, but you, you know, we're New Zealanders, we, we grow apples, we love apples, you know, and, and there's nothing like when you get that perfect apple. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you bite into a, a fresh apple. You know, when, when we were growing up, our cousins used to live on an orchard and and we'd go and visit and you could just literally take the, pull it off, pull it off the tree and just bite into it. And, you know, it gushes over you, doesn't it? There's nothing like, nothing like a great apple. But, you know, we live not just in the time of fresh fruit. We we now have cold store fruit. We have we have the ability to take a fruit that was once amazing and we can just store it for endless days and there is nothing worse, nothing more aggravating in all the world than when you see you see a piece of fruit and you look at it and you know they if you, you know some countries they like they, they like polish their fruit so perfectly. I mean you look at it and you're like, I've never seen a piece of fruit that looks that good. this is this is going to be the best taste sensation of my life. this is this is going to be amazing. And then you take the apple and, and you might bite into it, or I'm going to cut it open so I can keep talking and and it might be something totally different on the inside. It might be, It might be rotten. It might be flowery. It might be just just disgusting and dry. And you start to realize that really it's one thing to have it look good on the outside. But it's a much more important thing how it appears on the inside. We don't find Saul ever being stripped of his kingship directly coming from what he was saying with his mouth. But we find massive issues manifest in every area of his life and leadership because of what he was saying to himself. It's not the outside, it's the inside. You know, when Jesus was talking with the Pharisees, this is what he said about them. He said really encouraging things. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like a whitewashed tomb. That's really positive. (laughs) On the outside, you look beautiful, but inside, you are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You can say praise the Lord better than anybody around you. You look like the ideal Christian, but inside you, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The outside or the inside. Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, may my external conversation and my internal conversation be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David is trying to say, God, it's one thing for me to write these songs of worship that other people can say about you. It's another thing for me to live a life of worship where my thoughts and inclinations are the same, same praise to your name. He's saying, man, we've got to make sure that we're not just saying the right things externally, but we're saying the right things internally. It's the monologue. It's the conversation that nobody else gets to see. It's what we say to ourselves that is going to have the greatest impact on the way that our life lives. The most tormenting conversations that most people have are not the words that come from other people, but it is the conversation that we have with ourselves. That's where the most damage comes from. That's why people end up with an eating disorder, it's why people end up living all kinds of bound lives, it's why we end up with all kind of chaos and and disharmony, why you can be given a gift and resent that you've been given it? Why why somebody else can flourish and we're full of hatred that they flourish? Why why we look at something with This massive sense of skepticism and doubt about everybody else's blessing and favor and promotion is because we are not just externally conversing, we are internally conversing. And what we say to ourselves is going to change our lives. This is where the torment comes from. People might be in a marriage, but the whole time they're in it, they're saying, they're going to leave me. They're going to fall in love with Richie. <laughs> they don't love me. I'm just reading my notes. The other canvases don't get the joke, but just stay with it. They don't really mean that. This person is not sincere. I'm not as pretty as they are. I I don't contribute as much to the team. They've forgotten about me and they've moved on to somebody else. I've had my best day. I'm I'm not gonna make it through this health crisis. You could find a Christian anywhere, we're all saying it, who's got one conversation going on with their mouth And an entirely different conversation going on with their heart. Well, I came to tell you one thing with this message about two conversations. And here it is. You can change what you say to yourself. We do not have to just be educated how to speak externally with first-time manners, put a smile in it how to be positive when we greet people. We don't just have to teach ourselves as a believer to praise the Lord with our mouths and to sound like Christians. We have to learn to think to ourselves like a Christian. We have to learn how to praise the Lord, not just with our mouths, but with our, with our waking thought. We have, to, we have to learn to change what we say to ourselves. I'm going to have a great life. People love me. I am brilliant. I am special. They might be having their day. That only encourages me that God's got my day. I'm not going to be threatened. I'm not going to be a doubter. I'm not going to be filled with skepticism. I am a believer. Come on, if you believe it, why don't we give the Lord some proper praise this morning? Come on. See, we've got Saul in our passage of Scripture, and the truth is that he is threatened by David. He sees David's blessing as being somehow the beginning of his demise. But how about you and I, we look at the gift on somebody else's life, the talent that somebody else carries when somebody else flourishes in life. We don't look at them and go, well, that's because of, you know, blah, 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 and they've got more than they need. How about we start to say, well, you know what? If God can do that for them, then He can do that for me. You know what? This gifted person is not a threat to me. It's a blessing to me. We're all gonna rise together. I long got over any thought that as a pastor I wanted to rise to grow while some other church went down. No, no, no. Even if we were to fill every church in the city with Christians from this church, from other churches, the truth is we've still got hundreds of thousands in Fungare, Hamilton, Carpody, Christchurch, Dunedin, Wellington. We need everybody to flourish. If you believe it, say amen. I I don't want to be a person with a conversation internally that is horrible if anybody else ever got to see it. I want to take my life and I want to make not just the words of my mouth, but the meditation of my heart, pleasing in the sight of God. I want somebody else to get access to my brain and go, wow, he does not just say it, he thinks it. I want to live the kind of life where people could literally hear my thoughts and be encouraged. I don't know about you, but I reckon for most of us and in a lot of seasons in my life, I don't want you to know what I'm thinking. In fact, Wives, when you say to your husband, what are you thinking about? And he says nothing. He is lying, but leave it there. (laughs) He's a work in progress. He needs to get to the point where his thoughts are actually thoughts he wants to share with you. But I believe that God wants all of us, all of us to go on a journey that we can think, an internal conversation It's not going to take us down, but lift us up. Could it be that the greatest limiter that you and I might have to our wholeness and happiness is not for someone else to change what they're saying about you, but for us to change what we're saying about ourselves? The words others say to us cause damage, but the greatest negative words anyone can ever hear are the words they are saying to themselves. For the last 3 years I have had a verse just just literally just just visiting me in moments and seasons of my life and it won't go away. Let me share with you with you it's Luke chapter 11 verse 34 to 36. It says your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eyes are good your whole body is full of light. But when your when they're bad, when your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, then it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. Th- those three verses have just been playing out in my mind just honestly every, every week, every month as I am challenged to the core that the Bible is saying your eye is what connects your internal monologue with the things that you see around you. And when you look out your eye, what you see is determined by whether in you is darkness or light. If your mind is full of negative thoughts, you're going to look at everything and you're going to see negativity. You can have a worship leader up here this morning. They might be passionately, abandonedly in love with God and they're going to yell, they're going to shout, they're going to exuberantly manifest worship towards God. But if cynicism lives in your mind, you're going to look at it and go, that's hype. They, They want to look good for other people. And the reason why is because the light within us is an oftentimes darkness. And I'm not excluding myself from that. I believe that we live in a world where darkness is the default position and we bring God's light to every arena of our lives. That's, that's the mission of Christ. That's the purpose of the cross is to bring light to all darkness The Bible says that in him was life and that life was the light of men and it shone in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it, couldn't get its head around it. I wanna be the kind of believer that a lot of people say he can't be that genuine. I wanna be the kind of person where people think about me, he, he can't really think that positive. There's gotta be a disconnect. But you know what? We have just been on this journey. Could we go on this journey? I wanna go on the journey of filling my life with just light, with positive thoughts, with belief in God, not a, not a, not a, not a defeated thought in me. Could we go on that journey and say, man, man, Look at what this verse is saying. It is saying that when your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, then you will be completely lighted. What's that Jesus saying? He's saying your best life, your best impact for God, the best days of your destiny, the greatest work you can do for God is when you get your internal conversation and you completely align it with your external conversation. I fundamentally love you. I wholly believe in you. God's got good things in store for you. God is good. He does good. And I don't just say it, but I think it. When I start thinking it, when I wake up in the morning and I start focusing my internal conversation, arresting it, editing it, saying, no, no, no. You know what? That's a venomous thought. It's gone from my thinking. That, that's just me being small. I'm going to get that out of the way. That's me thinking God hasn't got a victory for it. Get that thought out of here. God can heal. God can turn around. God can bless. God can restore. When I start taking my internal conversation and I start aligning it with the truth of the Word of God, then the Bible says that a light begins to get from the outside to the inside. It's like a Neo in the Matrix One when it jumps inside the, you know the story? It jumps inside the dude and then light just pops out. That's what God's got for you, my friend that in the middle of every negative moment, every depressed day, something jumps up on the inside of you, breaks out of that prison and says, God is going to turn this thing around. He's going to bless my life. He's going to heal my marriage. He's going to bring victory to me. He's got provision for every need. If you believe it, let's just give God some crazy praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, when Saul saw how much David loved his daughter, he thought this is an opportunity for me to kill him. His lamp was darkness. His internal conversation was not good. But imagine if he had changed it. If he had said the moment he marries my daughter, then his allegiance with me is secure. The moment he marries into my family, then I've got his loyalty for life oh my gosh, he's not no more just a soldier out there. He's a son-in-law right here. He is naturally gonna inherit whatever comes to this family and so therefore, we can just ride this wave of his military success, combine it with the newly anointed position over God's chosen people that he gave to me and Saul could have benefited abundantly if he had to just changed his internal conversation. You can change your world, change the outcome of precious, change the state of your relationships, bring healing to even the, the most broken of your relationships in this world if we can just change that internal conversation. Um, in Genesis chapter 18, we've got the Lord, Jesus, uh, and a couple of angels turn up to Abraham. And in Genesis 18, verse 10, they say, where is your wife? And he said, she's there in the tent. And then the Lord said, Jesus says, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. That's something amazing. That's an external conversation, right? And the Bible tells us that Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind them. So they couldn't see with the eye. But Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years. They were wrinkly, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the point of time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid as she lied to the Lord and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> Why lie to God? That's just never gonna go well. <laughs> I just love it that they wrote it in the Bible. <laughs> I read it out for your entertainment. Why did the angel come? If you read Genesis, Abraham is fully assured he's going to have a kid. He, it's in every page from Genesis 12, the next five chapters to Genesis 17 before our text are just reassurances and promises and prophetic statements and Abraham believing God and it was credited to him as righteousness and, and assurance after assurance. Why did the angel come? And the truth is, he came to change Sarah's internal conversation. Have you ever stopped to consider that if we don't change our internal conversation, the miracle can't get to us? Ever stopped to consider that the greatest barrier of the power of God be manifest in our lives and situation is what we say? To ourselves. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, as the band in every campus come and join me, the Bible tells us that there was a woman, verse 20, who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of His cloak. Hear it as we finish it today. She said to herself, she said to herself, if I can only touch His cloak, I will be healed and Jesus turned to her and said daughter t- take heart daughter your faith has healed you and from that moment the woman was healed the change comes when you change your internal conversation if i can touch him i will be healed i will have a blessed life i will i will know god's favor i am not going down. My kids they're going to love Jesus. They're going to love life. I'm going to find the right person. That is absolutely going to happen. If you're single, I will I will find the right spouse. That's that's going to happen. God is going to promote my life. He's going to take me forward. It is it is it is a Christian prerogative that we change our internal conversations. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for every person in every campus. Thank you that, Lord, you have highlighted for us through your word the power of two conversations. I believe that if we can align what we say with our mouth, with what we think with our heart, that we can change our lives, change outcomes, change destinies. I ask You, Holy Spirit, that no matter what campus someone is hearing this message, that God, they would find Your freedom. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Illuminate every thought. Help us to conform what we think to the truth of Your Word, to edit our internal conversations. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.